So if you've been joining us uh, recently, we have been looking at Ephesians. Um, it is a letter in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul writes to a group of Christians in the town of Ephesus. And so today we're going to continue uh, looking at Ephesians together. Um, there are, the way Ephesians is structured, there is two halves to this letter, okay? Today, we are wrapping up the end of the first half, okay? And what this first half, Paul has been unpacking, what is the gospel? What is the good news um, that came with Jesus? And so, to this point in the letter, Paul has been saying uh, several things, but uh, including this, that you were dead in your sins, you were dead in your transgressions, right? Uh, for all of the things in our lives that like miss the mark of the perfection that God requires, Paul says that we're, we're dead because of that. But because of the great love that God has for you and for me and for the Ephesians, he has raised us to new life and made us alive with Jesus. And he is very clear to communicate that this is a gift you did nothing to earn this, to deserve this. You didn't, you weren't a good enough person. You didn't try hard enough. And God was like, okay, now I will give you grace and love you. He says, because I already love you. You are already dead, but I made you alive. It is a gift. Uh, yeah, amen. Seriously. Um, what, what Paul is very clear to also communicate to the Ephesians, um, and what Pastor Brian was looking at a little bit last week, is... And this would have been per, like more shocking than we understand. Uh, but Paul is very clear to communicate that this good news is for both the Jewish people and for Gentiles. It is for everybody. Um, and that Paul wants them to be unified, wants them to be one. Like there were all sorts of cultural barriers between those two people groups, but the gospel gets rid of that barrier so that these people may be one in Jesus, okay? Um, Paul has this unique calling to share this gospel, particular uh, to the Gentiles, right? But he's encouraging this church, like, be one, be unified, okay? Um, so the section we're going we're gonna to look at today, like I said, is the ending of this first half. And what we find is a prayer. Um, he ends this with, with just a, simply a prayer, okay? This is also one of those passages of scripture that's particularly dense. In, in my opinion, when I read it, my head kind of spins and I'm like, what did I just read? And it forces me to have to like reread it several times through. It doesn't help that verses 14 through 19 is like a single run on sentence. Um, one of those, you know, that Paul loves to do. Um, but today we're going we're gonna to read it together and then we'll go back and we'll unpack it a little bit. And uh, so that's what we're going to do today. So let's all stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's word, okay? We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. <clears throat> for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, 
being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Jesus, we ask that you would speak to us through your word this morning. Um, We really do want to hear from you. Um, We pray this in your name. Amen. You can take a seat. So, we're going to go back to verse 14. Um, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, okay? Like I said, here we go. We got a prayer. We got a a prayer. Um, It's cool that Paul recognizes the God who he is praying to is the God of every family in heaven and on earth, uh, the God of all peoples, right? In particular to the, the argument he has been building in his letter, he's talking about he is the God of the Jews, he's the God of... The Gentiles, right? But this still applies to us today. In every people group, every nation, he is the God of all of that. So he's, he's saying this prayer, addressing that God. Verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay? Uh, that according to the riches of his glory. Glory, I think, is one of those words that we are familiar with as Christians. Um, it's one of those words that I, I like to call Christianese. Um, but oftentimes it kind of goes ill-defined. We're like, I kind of know what it is, but I haven't really taken the time to actually understand what the idea of glory means. In the Old Testament, uh, God's glory is accompanied with his presence. And it is the idea that there is a heaviness or a weight to who he is. Like when God is present, you know. Like it is is, um, undeniable and it is powerful, right? And so what Paul is identifying here is that because of just who God is, like there is a surplus of whatever we need. Like, he, like riches of his glory, riches of his presence and power, right? And so that's what he's appealing to. Paul is appealing to, because of you are so powerful, you are over everything, God, would you grant, would you grant us to be strengthened, okay? Would you grant us to be strengthened, okay? And how will you strengthen us? Through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, right? God, strengthen us by your spirit, by Jesus himself dwelling in our hearts. Will you do a work inside of us, right? This is actually, I think, one of those cool passages where you can see, like, the theology of the Trinity becoming apparent. Like, is it the spirit in me or is it Christ in me? It's, yes, both. I don't know how. But, you know, this is, this is one of those passages where you're starting to see, like, that become clearly in Paul's mind, right? So, Paul is asking God to give them strength by his spirit to do what? Let's go to the next one. 
to be being rooted and grounded in love. God, would you give them strength to understand love? Okay? Being rooted and grounded in love. Like the idea of a tree, the roots are the, that's the place where you receive all life and energy, you know, comes through that root system. Would you understand this deeply? Give them strength by your spirit, God, to understand love. Let's go to the next one. But that what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Um, this is where I think this gets actually like very cool. The breadth and length and height and depth. Like his, this love that Paul is trying to describe. He's like using four dimensions, right? Uh, but even that is failing to communicate the magnitude of the love that is found in Christ, right? I pray that you would know the love of Christ. But not just the love of Christ, but this like grandiose, like huge love of Christ. Um, Because in fact, he says, that surpasses knowledge. Like know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He's like, know something that's unknowable, right? Um, Which is pretty crazy to think about, that that's what he is asking them to do. This love is so grand uh, that Paul is describing it as beyond knowledge. Okay? But as we understand this love, he says that you'll be filled with all the fullness of God. Understanding this love will fill you. Now, I think all of us understand um, within ourselves the idea that like, we were made to be full. We all have longings. We all experience this like deep part of ourselves that often we describe as emptiness or loneliness. Like we all want to be filled by something. Um, it is. I have an illustration. Imagine it's like we all have a cup, right? We all have a cup, and we walk around all day long trying to get this cup filled, right? And so we, we go to maybe our boss at work, and we want that boss to tell us, hey, you did a good job. You're doing a good job. You have purpose and meaning. Like you're really asking that boss to fill your cup. Hey, tell me I am, I am worth something. Uh, we do this with relationships, spouses. You know, I'm the number one culprit of this. Like desperately desiring my wife to tell me I am lovable and I'm good. You know, like... And so I'm asking her to fill my cup, you know. Uh, We do this all sorts of different spaces in our lives. Like, am I valuable? Am I worthwhile? Do I have meaning? Fill my cup, okay? Um, Two problems. Oftentimes, those people don't actually give it to us. They don't actually fill it. And then the second one, we're living our lives with a giant hole in the bottom of the cup, okay? So the entire time, we're walking around to all of these different things and these different people saying, tell me I matter. Fill me. Make me full. Make my life meaningful. Like, but it just continues to drain out the bottom. And so the next day, we run around doing the same thing over and over and over again. Does that make sense? Um, everyone's favorite 17th century mathematician, Blaise Pascal, uh, puts it this way. 
describing this, this chase for fullness. Um, you can go to the next slide. I think it's the next one. He says, this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object. In other words, by God himself. Like Blaise Pascal is essentially saying, like in our hearts is this gigantic hole, an infinite abyss, that we are constantly living our lives, looking to fill it with all sorts of different things. But he's saying this infinite abyss can only be filled with an infinite object. And the only infinite object is God himself. And I think this is exactly what Paul is is saying, let's go back to the, la- the last slide. Um, let's go back one more. Yep. When he says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Like you were made to be filled with God. And the only thing that will actually satisfy that, ho- that hole, that, that infinite abyss, is God himself. See, like the, what I think with this cup analogy is when we start to understand the love of Christ, it's as if like a hose gets attached to the bottom of this hole. Okay. And now it is constantly filling up. It will never go empty. Like, and it is full to the brim. And in fact, it is overflowing. And so now, when we understand the love that Christ has for us, we can walk around our lives overflowing into other people's cups. We are no longer consumed with the idea of like, do you like me? Do you love me? Do you, can you give me meaning and purpose? We actually get to be people that give and help people understand, like, man, the real source of life, real fullness is found in Jesus. And it's found in understanding specifically this grandiose love that he has for us. Okay? Uh, You can go on to the next slide. Yep. Um, Okay. I think... A real-life example of this right now. Um, I, know, I know, I'm sure most of you are following along in the news with stuff, with the war happening in Ukraine. Um, I came across an article uh, earlier this week that was written by a Ukrainian pastor, okay? And this whole article is him talking about why him and his family decided to stay. Um, this Ukrainian pastor decided to stay in his church um, they have turned their church into a military hospital. He and uh, his, like a team of people, taught people like you and I how to do first aid, apply tourniquets, package uh, like wounds. Like, in, I mean, it's just a, it's really crazy. Um, and in it, he says this in the article: um, When this is over. The citizens of Kiev will remember how Christians have responded in their time of need. Like, honestly, I, if you're interested in reading the article, I'll send you the link after. It's, it's one of those, like, incredibly encouraging and convicting things. Because it's such a demonstration of, like, I believe this man is so full. Like, he's so convinced that he has everything he needs in Christ. That he is willing to face death itself. To love other people, right? Like this, I'm not talking about a very real example right now. Like this isn't like a made up illustration, but this is what we can have in Christ when we start to understand these things. Um, and I, you know, this is a side, but let's be praying, you know, for, for this situation. It's grievous and heartbreaking. 
There are young life leaders like Patrick Hahn in the Ukraine and in Russia. Like, I can't imagine, like, Patrick Hahn, like, giving up his life to serve the people around them, right? Let's, let's just be praying for the situation. Uh, let's be conscious of, of the fact that, I don't know, I don't, I'm a, yeah, let's pray. God's kingdom come there. Um, knowing the love that Christ has for us is the fullest thing we can have, right? And it will enable us to do things we never thought we could. Um, I'm speaking to myself in this. Like, I need this reminder more than anyone else in this room, I think. Um, this is a sobering passage because it reminds us not to deviate from this. It's so easy, I think, in our walks with Christ to start to think, like, all right, I've got, I've got Jesus loves me, check that box, now what's next? What new spiritual truth can I learn? What can I apply? How can I grow, try harder, Right? This is a sobering passage because it's reminding us, don't ever deviate from this. Like, this is the most important essential piece that we could understand. This is what makes you a follower of Jesus, is understanding the love that God is, has for you. Um, and I really enjoy that this passage is anchored in a prayer. Okay? Because... The reality is, like, we cannot, we cannot understand this truth apart from God's Spirit and Him revealing it to us directly. Like, you're never going to argue this love into somebody's life. Like, God has to reveal it to you, right? Um, so, practically, for us today, what do we do with this? There are... There are lots of practical implications as to what this understanding this love will do for your life practically. Like it will transform the way you relate to other people. It will like transform the way you view your job and all sorts of other things. But today, I simply want to present the idea that we. I just want us to pray. Like I want us to pray to understand the love of God more deeply, right? Um, uh, Charles Spurgeon uh, has a quote that goes like this. He says, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of God's omnipotence. Prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of God's omnipotence. It's the idea that like all the power that God has is somehow moved like, like the nerve triggering a muscle when we pray, Right? All sorts of, that's worth thinking about for a long time. Um, and it's really convicting when I, when I reflect on how little I do actually pray. Um, but this whole thing we just read is anchored in a prayer. God asking, asking God to reveal this magnificent love more fully to the Ephesians. So I'm asking us to pray that God would reveal this grandiose love more fully to you and to I. Um, and maybe you find yourself in a spot going, okay, Sam, yes, I've heard this before. God loves me. Um, but what I'm arguing is that there is infinitely more of that love. Like you will not fully understand that. Like we have eternity 
to understand this love, right? It's, it is that big. Uh, that's what I'm arguing for. That's what I think Paul is arguing for in this letter. And so the question I want to pose is, do we have this attitude towards God and specifically towards his love for us? That there is infinite amounts of it. There's more of it for us. Uh, there's a phrase I've heard. I don't know where it came from originally, but like we do not graduate from the gospel. Like we, we, this is not something we move on from. Like we go deeper into the gospel. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus: is to continuously be transformed by this incredible good news. That while we were dead in our transgressions, He has made us alive in Christ. Because he is gracious and because of the great love that he has for you and for me. We go deeper into that. We don't move on from it. Um, so let's uh, check how this prayer concludes. Um, and I think as further evidence of this, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him who is able to do... More than we ask or could even think. The, the NIV says imagine, right? Like that's why I think Paul is trying to use such dramatic language. It's like you can't even create in your own mind the magnitude of this love that he has for you. Um, that's crazy. That's crazy. So anyway, that is... Uh, you know, who, who we are praying to. He is able to do amazing things. Um, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Um, and it's this end feels like just a humble reminder that this is all about him anyway. Like us understanding the love that he has for us is actually about God receiving the honor that he is already due. Like as creator over everything. Like, this is all due to him anyway. Um, so this is, uh, I'm grateful for that reminder there at the end of this, this prayer. Um, so, <clears throat> like I was saying, the rest of Ephesians discusses the implications of, of understanding this truth. The first half was, what is the gospel? The second half of Ephesians, as we'll, we'll start to jump into next week, is how does this impact your life? Right? That's like literally what the, the next three chapters of Ephesians is going to cover. Um, but again, today, I want to invite us to pray. I want us to just walk away uh, understanding that it is God and his spirit and him revealing this love to us. So who is it that we can be praying for? Let's pray for ourselves. Um, let's pray for this church, you know. If this church continues to grow in understanding the magnitude of God's incredible love for us, man, I can only imagine the impact that we will have and continue to have on this community. Um, and practically, practically think about like who, I mean, even just start with three people. Who are three people in my life that I can be praying for that they would understand more clearly this love? Um, so, I want to uh, invite the worship team back up because um, this this we're going to take communion together this morning um, because this is this is what's true. This radical love 
was most clearly demonstrated when Jesus died on a Roman cross, right? This radical love was most clearly communicated when Jesus died on a cross. The night of his betrayal, Jesus sat with his disciples and they celebrated Passover, a Jewish holiday when they recognized that God delivered them from slavery in Egypt. Um, And so he's sitting with his disciples celebrating this. And he says, he takes the bread and he says, take and eat. This is my body. He now attributes the bread to his own body. And then he takes the cup and he gives thanks to God. And he says to his disciples, drink of it, all of you. For this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. He now takes the cup and says, hey, this was my blood that is about to be spilled for you, creating a new covenant between God and humanity. We now have the opportunity and ability to live in direct relationship with God. What was limited to a temple and a tabernacle for the Jewish people, we have God's spirit now available to us to live in us. That is amazing. And it is all made possible When Jesus' body was broken and his blood was spilled on the cross for you and for me. Jesus, may we never stop desiring to know the love that you have for us. May you continue to reveal to us from the inside out um, how accepted we are by you. May we... Stop looking to other things to find our worth and value. May we find it from you, Jesus. Because you created everything. You know us fully. Scripture says you know the hairs on our head. Um, You know the many things that we have done wrong and... um, And have offended you with in our lives. But in spite of all of that, uh, it was while we were still sinners uh, that you died for us. And this was the demonstration of your love. Jesus, we are grateful uh, to know that you love us. May we continue to learn that. Um, May we be a people transformed by that. May more people in this community... Um, and in this world, know that. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.